The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froze and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Kate Andrews. Well, last night it looked as if the NatWest boss, Alison Rose, was not going to resign after mounting pressure from following the Nigel Farage Coots Bank scandal. This morning she has resigned. Fraser, what changed? Well, that's a very good question, because the statement came out quite late in the evening that she basically admitted being the source for the BBC story, but said she didn't really say anything untoward, nothing that wasn't in the public domain. She said her fault was that she mentioned it at all. Uh, In other words, she was admitting a little bit of wrongdoing, but not that much. Then, most importantly, the NatWest board said they stood full square behind her, that she had their full support. Then, bizarrely, at two o'clock in the morning, we hear that she's resigned. So something happened then yesterday evening. Um, Now, I've got absolutely no idea, but I would wager a bet. Because when the papers emerged, uh, and you know, you can get tomorrow's papers from about 10 o'clock the previous evening, it was chock full of cabinet uh, quotes from ministers saying that she'd behaved abominably, that she hadn't been transparent, that it was time for her to go. And then you had the BBC basically challenging her version of events. She was effectively saying that she hadn't revealed very much information. The BBC, off-the-record quotes, were saying not only had she revealed um, a lot more than she gave on, but they'd actually gone back to her to stand up a story to make sure of the quotes, and she knew that they were about to write a story about Nigel Farage. So that, if true, would have taken um, client confidentiality to another level of seriousness. Now, there's a rule in politics that if your first disclosure is not the full story, if there is a drip drip, if there is questions about it. And by the way, we even had the Financial Times saying the Financial Conduct Authority was about to launch and was considering launching an investigation into Alison Rose. If that if this if the apology statement did not represent closure, then usually the person will have to walk the plank. So whether there was political pressure overnight or whether NatWest's fairly hapless board um, took them a point for the penny to drop that this was going to just make it worse rather than better, we don't know. We might find out later on what happens. It wouldn't surprise me if political phone calls were made. Nor would they be particularly inappropriate, given that the government owns 39% of NatWest. This is a partly a shareholder-owned bank, so you could certainly argue that politicians would have more of a say over what happens than otherwise. So a fairly dramatic um, chain of events. I cannot remember a case of a British chief executive saying that they would stay one evening but then resigning at two o'clock in the morning. I used to be a financial journalist and my 25 years of covering this, I can't think of timings that have been more odd. And to me, this suggests a story that's got a lot more left to run. Kate, I just want to pick up on what Fraser said about the government-owned shares in NatWest Bank. Um, How does that change their responsibilities towards this story? I'm really interested in that because I think it was impossible for the government to stay silent on this NatWest scandal and this Coot scandal with Nigel Farage. Because as Fraser points out... um, NatWest is state-backed by 40%, so ultimately it's the taxpayer that's on the line. Um, So if NatWest is 
behaving in a way that the government would consider to be unethical or unfair, that is a reflection of what they're doing with taxpayer money. So they had to say something. Um, but there are now going to be much bigger questions. The implications of what's happened are far, far reaching for the whole sector. And I think this goes past the financial sector. Um, you have the city minister, Andrew Griffith, this morning, um, who has been meeting with banking chiefs, some of the largest UK banks and building societies, to talk about protecting lawful freedom of expression. And it's interesting that the, the readout from these meetings um, is that is that he's been emphasizing that it would be, quote, wholly unacceptable for banks to go after um, their customers based on their political views. Now, that's a position that I personally agree with very, very much. It is a crackdown on freedom of expression as far as I'm concerned. I suspect Fraser agrees. I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of sympathy for what's happened to Nigel Farage, even if he's not your favorite politician in the world, because uh, this just seems so egregious. But it's raising very interesting questions about where the government should and can intervene. What if we're talking about a completely private bank that is not um, backed by by taxpayer money? What if they wanted to so-called debank a customer? Um, it actually reminds me of the, uh, it's a different sector, but I think it's pertinent. It reminds me of the stop funding hate campaign, um, which uh, campaigns uh, and, and, and lobbies advertisers to pull their money and to pull their funds from uh, outlets like the Daily Mail. Now, a lot of people on the right uh, will sometimes get frustrated with me when I say that personally, I, I find that abhorrent. Um, but I think in, in a free market, you are allowed to make those kinds of campaigns. No advertiser should necessarily be compelled to fund any particular outlet. Um, so this is really going to raise questions around the right to bank. We all recognize that in 2023, it's near impossible to operate without a bank account. Um, and, you know, it, it seems like government is, is is deciding to intervene in a way that would suggest that that is a fundamental right. But that's a huge statement. Um, and I think there's going to be a, a much wider discussion about this based on this very specific thing that's happened to Nigel Farage. Fraser, in terms of further resignations, do you expect the CEO of Coots to resign too? Well, that's a very good question, because I don't think this is all Alison Rose's fault. In fact, I feel a little bit sorry for her. Uh, This isn't a case of a rogue chief executive who's behaved abominably, gone against her bank um, principles and kicked out Nigel Farage. She was going very much with the flow of Coots, with Nat West's and the larger ESG uh, movement in general in banking. Um, and it's funny that the, the Conservatives now are saying, oh, this is terrible, all of this work um, corporations. Uh, now, of course, I, I can see what they mean, but it wasn't uh, only two weeks ago since Alison Rose was on Rishi Sunak's business advisory committee. She, wore, she was coming up with statements like business and government need to work hand in hand for a state with sustainable growth. Business and government should not be working hand in hand. Business and politics should be staying pretty far away from each other. And the fact that you had um, businessmen saying the opposite under the prime minister's aegis suggests to me as if even the Tories were encouraging basically this new politicised agenda. Um, so I think the, what we're seeing here is a culture. This is, um, this is a problem of what some kind might call the ESG, environmental social government movement. Um, you can call it, some call it woke capitalism and the politicization of companies. Call it what you will. This is just simply the most egregious manifestation of it. By egregious, I mean the fact that the banks should get to a stage where they are producing 40-page reports on the political views and indeed sucking up every rumor they could hear about one of their clients, Nigel Farage. 
Um, now, the fact that this report exists in the first place, to me, suggests it's one of many. I bet there's a filing cabinet in Coots full of such reports about people. And it will be there not because Alison Rose ordered it, but because there was a culture within Coots of doing exactly that. Because there, was, there were various people, whoever, whoever was compiling that report would have been compiling it for somebody who they believed wanted it, and they believed wanted them to go into the, the lives of others. Um, and I think I don't think it's House and Rose can be held responsible for that. So I think if there's any good is going to come from this, then ought, the, ought, we ought not to have a good hard look, not just at what's happening in Kutz in that West, but the banking sector in general. And I trace it down to the politicisation of the banks that happened during the bailouts. I think at that point... Um, NatWest and, um, and the government doing something like 80% of NatWest at some point. And then after that, of course, you kind of pollute banking with the methods and mindsets of government. Uh, and of course, I would argue that NatWest's job was to get the share price back up to the £5 a share that the taxpayer build it out at. So we can maybe get to return on the taxpayers' money there. But as soon as you start to give bankers political instructions, or they think that their job is to go along with some political agenda, then their focus will be something other than getting a return on shareholders and sticking to their banking knitting. So I do think that there ought to be a long, hard look here. I do think I mean, resignations are important because they send a message to the whole banking group that if you discuss, if you break client confidentiality, then you'll get the boot. I suspect a junior banker would have been given the boot for doing what Alison Rose had done. So I don't feel sorry for her in that regard. But the over, I think it would be a mistake to blame her, to portray her as some kind of banking workahontess who brought this agenda into an otherwise perfectly normal bank. I think we're just getting a glimpse now of something that's been going on in the banking sector for quite some time. Fraser talks about woke capitalism there, and and I agree. I, I think that this NatWest scandal is going to become the case study for what a lot of right-wingers point to, to say, look, we were correct. There is this establishment attack on views that they consider uh, t t to not be, you know, a, a part of their woke agenda. Uh, and this is what they do, because despite all of these claims that I think a lot were coming from NatWest, that, oh, no, this is far more nuanced. Wait till you see the details. You know, there are two sides of the story here. Actually, it's becoming very clear cut. And there was a, a deliberate attack on somebody whose views they didn't agree with to, to debank them. Um, but I think the the wider point and the more applicable point is actually going to be just broadly about crony capitalism. You know, when you have the government and, and big corporates so wrapped up in one another, often with money flowing from the state into these corporates in some way, whether that be a bailout um, in terms of in terms of the banking sector, whether that be subsidies in terms of the green energy sector, we lose a lot of accountability. I mean, you can see from the response from, um, you know, even just last night before Rose resigned, you had um, briefings from the Treasury. You have briefings from number 10 saying we are very concerned, very uncomfortable. They want to separate themselves from this. You get the sense that government had had no intention to to politicize uh, the banks that this they want it to be known this was not coming from them, uh, that they support freedom of expression. But then of course, you can argue that NatWest and other big corporates have their get out of jail free card, because they can say, well, look, you know, we we're wrapped up with the government and we have to follow certain protocols. It, this is such a good case for why business and government should remain as separate as possible. And I, I think Fraser hits the nail on the head there when, when you have them both, you know, praising each other up until the point where something goes wrong. You can see that the, the system in and of itself is, is deeply, deeply flawed. I mean, NatWest and the board should be held accountable for what they've done. But 
I would also pivot back to that previous point. I think a lot of that does come down to taxpayer money. When we do start talking about what businesses can identify or choose to not identify with certain customers based on their beliefs, when we're not talking about any taxpayer money, that's going to have much, much bigger implications. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Kate. And thanks for listening.